Hello, and welcome to Nerds of the Old Republic, the podcast where we drink and discuss nerdy fiction, all the while walking that razor-thin line between recognizing my privilege and using it to lift the voices of traditionally marginalized voices and seemingly acting on some sort of white savior complex. (laughs) I'm Adam. I'm Sean. And I'm Mike. And today we're bringing the cast back to its roots. Literature, y'all, if you've never listened before or just found us this season, we've read sci-fi and fantasy from Neil Gaiman, Cory Doctorow, and Kay Jemison, who we'll revisit tonight, Shixin Liu, whose one day I will absolutely get that name correct. And Sounds now we're going to talk... Yeah, I, I feel like it's close. And now we're going to talk about the inimitable Jordan Peele's collection of Black Horror, as far as I know, his first foray into uh, collected literature, Out There Screaming. But first, if you haven't noticed yet, we're on all the podcatchers. Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, OnlyFans. Uh, (laughs) Only one of those is wrong. You can pick which one. It's Apple. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, I guess I should also mention Podbean, who is our podcast host, but they refuse to sponsor us Mm. for free. It would mean the world to us if you smashed that rate button and left us up to a five-star rating. That'd be awesome. A review would be cool, too. So would a personal email. We're nerdsofoldrepublic at gmail.com. P.S. This is why we get so much spam, because I use our official Gmail Mm. on the air. We read every email. Even the robot ones. Exactly my next line. So far, it's just spam. But, you know, you could be the person that changes that. Please. Yes, please be the person that changes that. A real human being. (laughs) I, I would love to actually have communication with a real human being um, who listens. Is there anybody out there? Hello. <laughs> I was hoping someone would catch the Floyd reference. Oh, I got it. I had a big Floyd just face. Just oh, nice. Hmm. There'll be no more. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the screams. <laughs> we were doing a mic test, everybody, and uh, we asked Sean to do various screams from classic rock and roll. So there we go. Look for that on our OnlyFans page. Yeah, that's uh, not even Patreon paywall. That's OnlyFans. It's very titillating. Yes, yeah. and you will pay for that one. <laughs> more <laughs> than more one ways, way. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. money well spent, of course. Yep. And don't kink shame. <laughs> no, we don't kink shame here. All the things. Uh, speaking of kink shaming and not kink shaming, um, if you've never listened before, we like to connect uh, an adult beverage to whatever we're reading and or talking about. So tonight, Mike has graciously brought us the first beverage. What? Indeed, <laughs> yes. Uh, Sean has done the uh, surprise beer tasting for a while, and I, we're mixing it back up, which I like. We're returning to form, but also introducing some new things. So, Mike, do you want to talk about tonight's offering for us? Yeah. So uh, up the road a piece from me is a, a, a relatively new brewery. Uh, called Wayland, and uh, it has uh, made outstanding beer across the board thus far. I have yet to have a beer there that I am not impressed with. Uh, but of course, the one I brought for us to uh, imbibe on air is uh, appropriate to our, our whole uh, idiom here. It is called the Shire, and uh, it is a New Zealand Pilsner. Um, which I have had before and I can vouch for it. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, that's just my opinion, of course. So I'll yeah. say no more and we'll hear uh, you, your guys tasting notes and what you think. I'm going to only drink this if it's filled with potatoes. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> oh man. To derail us for a sec. I'm listening to a, an audiobook That's like similar quest fantasy sort of world. And they're not potatoes. They're 
Potatoes. No. Oh. And they say it just like that. I'm like, is that a, it's got to be an homage to potatoes. That sounds like a reference. Yeah, yeah it does. Okay. This can has an, an outstanding granular feel to it. It Yeah, it is a yeah. pebbled label, which if we were truly on OnlyFans, I could show you. <laughs> you hear this? <laughs> I can hear it from here. That's that's that is interesting. I like that. It's almost like a record scratch. Well, they have a uh, they have a gorgeous campus. They have uh, their cans are nice. Their beers are high quality, um, and uh, they have an excellent uh, bocce league uh, there as well on multiple nights. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to play bocce for the first time in my life, go undefeated, and become the Monday night champion. Yeah. Uh, our team name was Darth Bocce Balls. In further keeping <laughs> with our idiom, that's fantastic. <laughs> Would you guys like me to read the tasting? Are there tasting notes? There are tasting notes. Oh, no shit. I was going to ask, or in the spirit of new, I was going to Oh, yeah. Okay. I guess there are a few. Yes. Have at. May I? Sure. I'd I'd like to take the Sure. According to the Surgeon General, women should not. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't get it. God damn. Vivek Mamurthy is giving us tasting notes. That's fantastic. (laughs) I thought you were going to read this like hopped extensively. And I was like, "Eh, it's short, but you know, knock yourself out. (laughs) That was good. You got it both. For sure. No, I see the actual one, but I would defer to one of you gents to, uh, to pronounce those New Zealand words. Oh, the hops. I mean, it's Nectaron, yeah. Nelson and Sovan, and is that Motuaka? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah it, it sounds about like right. Maori kind of sound to it. It does. It, yeah. Now it says here you should not operate machinery while enjoying this beverage. That surprises me. Oh, we're operating a podcast. That's right. It, it, now I, I'm looking for podcast. I'm scanning. I'm not seeing it. I think we're good so far. We may have health problems. Well, too late for that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, birth defects. God damn. That explains Ooh, everything. Yes, it does. No, no, no. You, it doesn't change. It doesn't affect you after your birth. Oh, oh okay. You're okay. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Should we crack them? Let's yeah, do it. Ready? One, two, three. Ooh. Nice simultaneous cracking of beer. It's a tasty beverage. I would not have known that it's like New Zealand style, or that it's a pilsner. Right? It's very, it's pretty hoppy for yeah. for yeah, very yeah. hoppy pilsner. Right? Yeah. Maybe that's what makes. I, it. I would have guessed this was a light IPA, and it does say somewhere on here that it's uh, hopped extensively with those things that you read expertly from New Zealand. Um, you know, but I asked the guy before I bought them, uh, you know, how hoppy is it? Because, uh, the person that I was purchasing them for, I know is not an IPA fan. Um, and the guy, the guy said that he does not like IPAs, but that he, uh, this is his favorite beer that they brew. So I thought it was a safe purchase. It's a uh, more citrusy on the hop end of things. I think if I'm catching that correctly, but it's, um, I can still get those hops in there. It's they're there. It's, yeah. My nose is plugged, so I'm having trouble getting the terroir. Same. Mm. <laughs> I'll enjoy it for both of you guys. It's uh, it's good. It's tasty. Yeah, uh, it you really know, is. I am the fool who does not like hoppy beers, mm. but this one's drinkable. You're just ahead of the trends because everyone's moving away from IPAs again. Mm. The new thing is fruited sour smoothies. Those are also terrible. <laughs> Those, are, I mean, if it is 97 degrees out and I'm having oh, one to start the afternoon... I can enjoy those, yeah. but but beyond that, I'm gonna have a heart attack if I drink too many of them. I'm a stout guy, 
This is stout time of year. Yes, yes, I'm so a stout guy I'm as well. Enjoying the stouts, and then I'm just whatever shit beer I can find. Well, can we got a couple in that uh, in that cooler, and you'll have to let me know what you think of the Dunkel too. That's a darker Ooh, one. Yeah. Well, thank you but, for supplying these uh, delicious beers from the Shire. You said it was uh, drinkable. I I prefer the term quaffable. Quaffable. I think we should say quaffable on this cast. We should bring that. Yeah, that's that's really where we're at here. Does it come in pints? <laughs> I'm having well, one. Two pints, though. Sixteen ounces. None of that cheater fourteen crap. Yeah. I don't know where I got Canadian all of a sudden. I want a forty ounce Stein. That's what I want. Oh, we won a Stein for being the Monday Night Bocce League champions, man. I'm going to keep bringing that up. Stein. Would you like to have one? Would no, right now? no, that's okay. okay. Next time we do like a fantasy literature thing or something like sure. that, we can get the Steins out. And like you get the, I have a drinking horn. I have a drinking horn also. I have a drinking horn also. Oh, oh shit. Well, there we go. <laughs> this... Drinking horns. <laughs> Is there some kind of Viking literature or movie that we can you know pair what? with? Easily. There's the Neil Gaiman. Uh, the book. Yeah, the Norse mythology. Yeah. American Gods would be another interesting one, too. Yes. Actually, and I really, really enjoyed Gaiman last time we did it, so. Jensen, I think we need to add that to the agenda. All right. <laughs> Adding that out there. <laughs> All right, good. We'll right, make the stop. announcement on our OnlyFans. There you go. Yeah. Right next to a picture of your foot. <laughs> <laughs> Toes wiggling. Yeah. Oh, right. Stay tuned for Norse mythology. <laughs> Guys, this shit just writes itself. This is fantastic. Well, speaking of writing itself, that's the next cast. That right? is. I'll get to that at the end of this one. But tonight we are talking about Jordan Peele's uh, edited or his collection of edited works, Out There Screaming, which um, is the first book that I pre-ordered in a long time. Granted, I pre-ordered it a week or two before it came out, but that's when I found out about it. Counts. It, so, you know, it counts. Um, so I grabbed it because I love Jordan Peele's work. I've seen him, um, all of his horror went back to uh, Key and Peele, which I know is very different from what we're talking about tonight, but just was always impressed by the man's ingenuity and what he brought to the work. So I, I suggested this one. So if it tanked, it's on me again. Adam, your suggestions are usually on point. Oh, I appreciate yeah. that. I mean, I would just cut the funding for the cat. No, I'm just kidding. Like the book! No. <laughs> um, but we all picked um, we picked four to read in common, and then we all picked one separately to read so we could talk about a big selection from this collection. Um, and I think we ended up reading, or we'll end up discussing, about half the book tonight. So I think that's yeah. a pretty representative sample. Yep. Um, cause it can be hard to talk about collected editions because they're so different when they're different authors, right. you know, did the Joe Hill, it was all Joe Hill. So right. whatever, right. which is to say it's all Stephen King, but <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> pot shots at everybody's name. Um, <laughs> so, um, I thought we could talk about the pieces in order that we had agreed to read them. Like we said, first up our favorite NK Jemison. that I hope you heard that moan because we have had a, a hate to love, a love to hate yeah. relationship with N.K. Jemison. Um, back to, can you believe this? This is episode 51, by the way. Yeah. Uh, overall. Yeah. Oh, the bell's kind of. Is it stuck? There we oh, go. Oh, there we go. We've worn the bell out. Damn. Um, and I, I went back and it's something like episode nine or 10. Oh, wow. Where we did the city we became. Really? And we've we done no that kidding. many since. It doesn't right? feel like that long it ago. It doesn't feel like that long ago, but COVID has literally changed my sense of time True. and smell. And so, <laughs> um, 
uh, we were drinking uh, watermelon vodka mm. smoothies. With, that was the best part of the evening. Uh, it was because we all hated kind. that book. You guys are too. We kind. hated that book. Well, the book definitely made the drinks better. <laughs> Actually, two thirds of us didn't finish the book. Yes, it was that's, the, it was that's that true. Dis, uh, it was that unenjoyable. Damn my completest nature. Mm-hmm. We can always count on you to finish the assignment, buddy. Oh Thanks for being God. the leader of the group work. I'm like I'm the idiot that always does all the work, and they sit there and <laughs> wonders why the fuck did I do that? <laughs> well. I was surprised because we had texted around like, this is a slog and whatever. And I didn't realize that she was going to be like the headliner, the first piece until after I bought the book and suggested it. I was just like, Jordan Peele, the intro to yeah. the whole collection says, you know, I want these to, f- I wanted to grab literature that felt like my movies that felt like, um, Nope and, um, us and all that so i was already in for it no matter what well i think he's largely successful in that too yeah for the most part Mm -hmm. i read but nk jemison our least favorite author starts off the book with eyes isn't it like reckless eyeball oh reckless eyeballing i literally just called it eyes because i didn't care that much the eye one i hate to say it i think we've talked about it enough yeah i mean we've set it up the premise is like that there is a black police officer who um, has complicated relations with his his position in the world, his job, and race, and stereotypes. Yeah. So he stares at people and watches them, and so he, like, gains eyeballs. I saw or eyeballs was, gain on things. The conceit she's trying to work with <clears throat> of turning the tables on your typical police-minority relationship... And I think that had some interest to it. But the execution of the supernatural element of this story completely fell off the rails. Yeah. Just exactly like yeah. City We Became. Right. Honestly, I I would love to read something from her that is just fiction. Realistic fiction. And I like her voice in that regard. I think when she brings in the magical realism stuff, it doesn't work. I no. don't know. Maybe I'm a minority on that, but I just I don't feel like it's successful. I had hoped that this short story would kind of redeem, uh, like my appreciation for her because I, I told you guys, um, years ago, I read a, a book by her. Um, it was the first in her broken earth trilogy and I enjoyed it. And then the city we became is just one of the worst books I've ever read. <laughs> and I wow. was so disappointed by it. And cause I usually, I'm not a completionist like you are, Sean, but for the cast, I am a completionist. And and that, you know, book I think is the was the lone exception to that. I think I, I couldn't finish the the book. It was it was so painful. So I kind of was hoping this would, you know, recreate some of that enthusiasm and I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I did not enjoy it. I um we had also agreed to read a portion, so I figured I would take the pain on this one. Thank you. Yep. Kind of like Harry Potter where he has to like write I will not tell lies and it cuts into him this is where i'm at um mainly because we talked about sharing a section from the book uh from each story because the author's voices are very different so it is worthwhile to hear and we may dislike the premise or the this whatever but you know i feel like we owe it to people to give them a taste of the book so uh this is from page five and um it's jemison actually outlining the premise really the supernatural aspect Excuse me. Where we left No. Carl started seeing the eyes a few months back. 
Though they were just some new headlight, he thought, see, this is, I can't even get through it. <laughs> thought they were just some new headlight fad at first. Every year there's a new one. Neon rims, insectoid multiple bulbs, designs like hearts or cobra hoods. Tacky, but not illegal. These eyes, though, are far too realistic to simply be another mod. They blink. There are veins throughout the sclera, striations in the irises, boogers at the corners. Carl actually saw them manifest once, ordinary halogen, one moment, and then blink. And they were blinking. Since that moment, he's come to understand something else. The eyes are a magical thing, or supernatural, if there's any difference. He asks around, casually mentioning the new headlight fad, to a couple of his fellow highway patrol officers, but no one else sees them. Nobody mentions freaky car eyes. It's a Carl-specific magic, or blessing, or psychic gift. Just for him. There has to be a reason for it. So Carl starts pulling over anyone whose car has eyes to figure out what that reason might be. Shrug. I just, I mean, the premise is just, I, I, I don't understand it. Like, I, I don't, I, I shouldn't say I don't understand it. I understand it. I just don't understand why someone would write a story around yeah. this premise. I, I struggle. The whole time I'm reading it, I'm reading it going like, why, why is this what's happening? Again, if we go back to the title, like reckless eyeballing, and I think it has a lot to do with the way that people are perceived by law enforcement. Oh, sure. The way they get looked at. And that's, I mean, obviously there's some nobility in plumbing the depths of that. But again, I, I just feel like that supernatural aspect just, just, I don't know, it just robs it of something. It didn't work. And it didn't. Yeah. What lost me more than anything, a car guy, and just her complete mm-hmm. inept, like, discussion of right. car fads. Like, dude. <laughs> Cobra hoods. Oh my god, what was the do some research? The fuck? Do some research. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So And I don't think your protagonist has to be likable by any stretch. Well, I don't want to no. give that impression, but your your protagonist your unlikable protagonist should at least be interesting. I just found this guy obnoxious. Like I Yeah, he's boring. Yeah. I agree. I mean he has he has some like sexual proclivities. Right. He has some staring issues, <laughs> and he doesn't like the fact that there's a black woman driving a hundred thousand dollar Tesla. Right. I I I think we just spent lost enough time. Oh, damn it, we spent <laughs> enough time. That that that's yes, it. that's that's, that's it. All right, okay. next. So, in the order we had listed them was um, <clears throat> Nalo Hopkinson's "The Most Strongest Obey a Woman of the World." Mm. I enjoyed this story. Me too. I thought it was a damn cool premise. We always talk about story structure, and there was this. Um, hero going to the depths of hell, bringing back the devil, right. being ostracized because the devil's attached to her, and she's got this cool ass but probably terrifying octopus squid leg, right? Yeah. And the the like the belly creature. I thought it was this for me felt like okay, this is horror, right? This is supernatural horror. This is what I was looking for. Yeah, this one. I, I, it took a a few pages, I think, mm-hmm. for me to like come up to speed on it. It it, it, it yeah. was a slow starter for me, not as a reflection on the story, just as a reflection on me, like trying to figure out what I was reading. Cause it, it's, it's written in this interesting sort of dialect too. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, you know, and then it has like different terms in it that, you know, you, you have to pause and figure out what's being said and then it, it'll go and it'll do the italics. And, but once you get up to speed and you figure out what's going on here, the stuff that you just said, 
um, it became very fascinating. And this was, you know, uh, you know, very creative. If I said the, the I premise didn't quite come off the page and work for me, this is one where I found myself going like, damn, you have to be really creative to think of this story yeah. and put it down and it to work this well. It was that, uh, it's almost like a Caribbean pigeon kind of. Like, yes. Like. I, I thought of Red Wolf, Black Wolf. Right yes. Away. Yes. Yes. Marlon James. Yeah. Me a lot of the Marlon James piece. Right. Mm-hmm. But like you said, once you get the groove. Like, right. And it settles in. It just, it was a page turner. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. The, uh, this is where you can see like a, you know, absurd supernatural premise actually feeling legit and like it works in the world because. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just the difference between this and the Jemison, it just felt like more natural. Like it yeah. just, it wasn't trying too hard. Right? Yeah. And it, no, it, it wasn't. Let's be honest. A way more absurd premise. Absolutely way more absurd. Right. But it still felt like authentic. This would be a hard story, you know, to talk about to somebody casually like, oh, you should read this story. And well, what's it about? And then you start describing it and for them to understand it, you know, for them to get what you're saying and to get enthusiastic about it. And so that's just a testament to the author that, you know, it does work on the page. Right. I think it would work on the screen too. I, it w- did a great job with imagery. I found mm-hmm. myself really able, even though the dialect took me some reading to get into, like you said, not as much as Marlon James. Um, I could picture like that scene where she sweats out the devil. Yeah. Right. Like I could picture, you know, low red sun coming through shades, whether right. they were the right shades that she was describing. I don't know. Like a, a sweat box of a house. You know, I've been to the Caribbean, so I pictured one of those houses, like yeah. a small cylinder block house, yeah. cinder block house. Everything shut up and she's just like writhing on the floor and then like slowly dragging herself because the water's evaporating out of her too. Like, yes. It was very cinematic. I was super happy with this piece. It's, it was cool. It would work really well with that new school of animation that you see in, uh, I think, like some Marvel stuff on Disney Plus is doing it, like the What If series and that. Mm. Like Blue Eye Samurai on Netflix has that, that sort of like a modern computer generated art, art style almost. Mm-hmm. And I think something like that would be a really good medium for this story. The, I mean, the story had some unexpected like sadness at the end too. When yeah. what, what you think for most of the story is like the monster, the devil, right. whatever you want to call it. And it, it starts telling its side of the story. It's like the last remaining one of its you know, species or race or whatever. And it was just trying to like learn and uh, like understand her people better. And now it's dying. It's like spent itself and like, hopefully what it knows will live on in her or whatever. And all of a sudden you're like, damn, I, I didn't expect to feel sad for this like creepy sea monster thing. Yeah. Yeah. Another Testament to the writer. Right. 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 Um, works in a complex thought like generational memory and it yeah. just right. it works you know it, yeah. it's amazing an entirely different structure to the culture yeah i mean for the devil monster whatever you want to call it um just fantastic it's and a- you know you such a cool relationship too between um the obey man mm. and the protagonist what's her name yendril and then how she becomes like the most strongest because she beats the devil. Right. Right. Like I, I just love the whole story. That's very cool. I was going to say, now that you, you mentioned it, the generational, like the lost people and their generational story reminded me of, it's just a sad theme. There's a great Star Trek, the next generation episode where they find it's like a satellite or something. And he has to like live with those people and like learn their whole 
history or something yeah. like that. And it turns out they've been gone for like ever. Yeah, a lifetime and a day kind of a thing. Right, yeah. right, right. He has to saddle that with himself for the rest of his life. Right. He lived an entire lifetime. Right, know, right. You can always bring it back to TNG, man. Oh, oh and, so and we should. We, we yeah. do. <laughs> Did you have an excerpt from this one? Or? You know what? I... I'd love you want to give me a couple sides. I'd love to. No, I was going to say, I'd love to hear you read oh one. Boy. For, <laughs> oh boy. Um, <laughs> put on my reading voice too last time. So what you do to your students every day, Adam? <laughs> put them on the spot. Read my, read my nasally A's out of a book. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. All right. So we had gone back and forth about, not reading too far into the text because we don't want to give these away, even though they're short stories. So, um, just a quick section from the story: the strong, most strongest will be a woman in the world. I don't know that I want to do a Caribbean accent though because <laughs> I feel like I'm going to offend everybody as it should be offended. She broke through the air. The pit of her heavy, her belly heavy, coughed the water out of her lungs. Her legs didn't feel like hers, but she managed to kick herself through the water to the bank of the blue hole. She dragged herself out. The cutlass was long gone, sunk into the depths sometime during the battle. Had she killed the fish devil? Yendro collapsed on the bank, not just from fatigue, but because she was heavy now. So heavy. More than when she went into the water. But everything was alright now. She had killed it, not must? Then she looked down at her own body. Yendro walked for she didn't know how long, stumbling, the left foot flopping, catching at rock stones, guinea grass. Brackish water dripping from her hair, her dress. She dried off quick in the tropical heat, but dry skin felt wrong. The sun too bright, the heat too hot, sound too loud. And her yayam thumb, trying to look every which way, like she had never seen Trentwall before. She passed one, two villagers. She called out cheerfully to her. Some called out cheerfully to her, but when they looked at her leg, she ran away. they ran away. She found herself standing in front of the calabash tree at the edge of Auntie's plot. Then she was rubbing her cheek against the bark, surprised to find it rough. There were round green calabashes hanging from the trunk of the tree like big woman's boobies. Why was she running her tongue on one? Why was she trying to bite into it? What was this weight upon her, dragging her down? She remembered where she was going, forcing herself into a heavy, slow run. Light too bright, skin too hot. She reached her aunt's house, opened the door. A scream came from inside. You know, but I got to say, like, I, I think I like this story even more listening to it. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I was really enjoying, like, the cadence of those sentences and everything. A thing that I don't – I think I was so focused on trying to just follow what was happening the first time. Yeah. I wasn't really paying attention to the prose, and the prose is great. And yeah. Hearing it, too, after knowing where it goes is makes it even more rewarding. Absolutely. So definitely a re-readable re text for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely, definitely a fan of the – um the piece there for sure. All right. So that was Hopkinson. And then the next one we had was, uh, Brodus, the Norwood trouble, which is the very next piece actually mm. after that. And I had a lot of hope for this piece, but yeah. then I felt like it kind of let me down. Yeah. It did a really interesting job of building, a building a world, building a story with this sort of like enchanted town mm -hmm. and you know, the, Reconstruction South and every, you know, part of it was really cool. But like you said, it just, it didn't quite cash in on that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, my first thought maybe was too intellectual. Maybe that's why I didn't enjoy it because I know there for a long time was that conversation like um, in the, the black community, like, do we stay here where, where 
were not really wanted in America during that time, or do we go leave and make our own state? You know, it's kind of like the the um, the Black Panther movement, like make your own state, protect yourself, maybe yeah. get out, and then we didn't. I guess I was looking for more conflict. Yeah, I, that's what I I think the biggest problem with the story was. I agree with you guys. This one didn't do it for me. It was um. There was some interesting setup in the beginning, you know, the streets you're not supposed to go on and, you know, she's determined to go get the ice cream and, you know, all of that was fine. But then all it does is like, okay, so like the white people attack and they get lured into a a garden. Is that it? And and the garden kills them. And that's it. That's the end of the story. (laughs) It just, it didn't quite make any of the reading worth it. It was almost like, um... I expected something more like what happens in Django when the mm. the proto clan guys show up and they try to attack the <laughs> <and> thing. <laughs> Great you know, scene. It's a much more rewarding thing because of the visceral. These guys deserve to get their asses killed. Right. You know? Yeah. But right. Like in this one, it's like, yeah, they totally deserve it, but it doesn't give you that reward. You know, it, it, it almost felt anticlimactic. And, and the and the fact that there's there's no real sense of tension here. I mean, of mm-hmm. course, Django is literally. You know, he is – there's so much tension in the whole movie. He's always under threat, right? And here, there's really no tension. They just have to lure him to the garden. The garden kills him and yeah. wipe your hands and walk away. Yeah. You know, yeah. It didn't feel like there was any point where they were truly threatened or that it was a, a, a real battle for survival or anything. This was the one piece where I thought, well, maybe this doesn't ring true. Maybe this doesn't – feel interesting or tense because i'm white right like to be truth about it like you know i i've heard from both intellectuals and just friends who are black that there's like a a constant underlying tension or concern and maybe because i don't have that i didn't feel that here right but i'm supposed to and and that's okay too then this is just isn't for me I think right. with any of these stories, there's a part of it we're never going to be able to understand. Absolutely. And that's the nature of, of you know, being a white person versus being a black person in America is, you know, we will never be able to completely appreciate what that experience is. And it's, you know, it's sad that we can't come together on that, but it's, that's just the nature of, of how it works. Right. right? And it's. But I mean, to me, the best part of this story was the ice cream shop, you know, where she decides to go anyway. And and she said the ice cream shop owner, you know, knew who she was and he wasn't mean to her. He's been polite to her in the past. But in that particular setting and context, he feels like he cannot acknowledge her in any way because he's being watched by the other, you know, white people there. And so he's got to serve other people first. He only serves her begrudgingly, but expecting her to leave. And, you know, the there is real tension there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that is what makes the ending of the story so disappointing is, is mm-hmm. from a, just from a conflict standpoint, they show up, they go to the garden, the garden kills them. And that's a little underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I also think it's trying to be, a, you know, in the sort of Lovecraftian cosmic horror vein a bit. Mm-hmm. But I think what a lot of, you know, just in my experience, when I try to read stuff that, you know, is in the Lovecraftian cosmic horror school, I think what a lot of those writers fail at is that Lovecraft built a very complex mythology behind his 
weird horrors. Yeah. And a, a lot, I mean, like, what the fuck is the garden? You know what I'm saying? There's there's no mythology yeah, there. Is there's there no, something I'm supposed to know. There's I mean, no connections, do, anything. It's just a garden that comes alive and kills people. They do reference, you know, the Iyami Ajay, which like is that a culture or a civilization's you know, I don't even know what language that is to know where I'm looking. Yeah. Maybe that, that's on me, right? To not know no, that, that that's, I didn't look yeah, it up. It's valid. Um so maybe that would have filled out the mythology. Yeah, it's valid. I did find it cool that like the kid becomes initiated into the protectors of the area. Right. Through it. Sorry, that was totally a spoiler. But we've already <laughs> said that they go to the, the garden and die. So it's done. Well we that's I think piece. we we spoil things on the on uh Do I give them a quick paragraph. Yeah, I um <laughs> Was just looking for one because, like any good student, I didn't do all of my homework. I did ninety percent of it. Oh, but that's the best. Yeah, thinking yeah. on your feet. I was looking for the scene that you had mentioned in the ice cream parlor, and I'm just having trouble finding it. See, oh, okay, I got it. <clears throat> I think I have it. Me and Daddy often rode the trolley from Keystone Avenue to Indiana Avenue. Those trips to Ransom Place were our only lifeline to the city. They couldn't be avoided. Once he realized he would be longer than he thought at the hardware store, I asked if I could wait somewhere else. He gave me a dime to get cookies on the way to the library. The bakery was safe for us. But I skipped past the bakery to Milton's Ice Creamery. I knew that I was supposed to come right home, go to the Dunbar Library, do my homework, then my chores. But sometimes a girl just wanted some ice cream. Mr. Milton thought himself a good man. But he also went along with how things had been going because that didn't inconvenience him. Wouldn't cost him any standing. And he knew me, yet treated me different as soon as I entered his store, like I wasn't welcome there. I wasn't afraid of the cost of doing right. I was a fighter, just like Daddy. And then there was that boy that worked there, Shane. He was from Beech Grove, a son downtown within Indianapolis that was a headquarters for the Night Riders. In their hoods and sheets, they claimed to be the ghosts of Confederate soldiers determined to scare us into our place. Every time Shane's eyes found mine, my stomach crawled into a knot, like twigs twisting into a crude nest. Always looked at me like I was out of place, less than him. In his eyes, black people could only hold menial jobs, handyman, cook, maid, servants to make his life easier. A framed picture of Jesus hung crooked on the wall. The waiting customers, with their sullen faces, all turned to me as soon as I entered. The woman behind me muttered something, but Mr. Milton waved her ahead of me. Everyone got served before me, treated better, all to remind me who I was, what I was. There you go. All right. <clears throat> Perhaps that, that's, I mean, to me, that, that was a very strong part of the story. I liked that part of the story very much. Yeah. There's a lot conveyed there. <clears throat> very much. But I really didn't. Again, I think it was a payoff. Yeah, I agree. I think the whole story was good, strong. I just, I was so disappointed at that ending. Yeah. I wonder, it'd be interesting to see, like, did Jordan Peele have any influence on the choices? And was there, like, a limit to the length of their submission? Was there more that would have been? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I liked the writer, actually. So, the writer, historical... um. Horror fiction, essentially, is what I would call it. Little magical realism. Uh, freedom Riders in the Freedom Summer. On a bus. They know they're headed somewhere bad because this, like, supernatural creature 
um, takes over the bus, and they have a choice to make. I'm trying to spoil too much, but I love the premise. The tone was cool. Mm-hmm. I felt like there was real tension here, um, and a real payoff at the end in terms of like the decision made and and following through. So I enjoyed it. This, the order I read it, this was actually the third piece I read. Um, I went Jemison, Hopkinson, Do Brodus. Hmm. So like, and this was the high point for me. I thought it was pretty good. It was um, that classic story form of like, there's something down the road, you know, and the closer you get, the more dangerous it gets, kind of like building the tension naturally yeah. that way. And I think it would work really well. The, um, you know, just the way that you weren't exactly sure who was friends with who and how it was going to work out in the end and the way that the thing on the bus was, it was right. uh, rather interesting. And the two sisters were characterized so well. Yeah. That was nice. I felt like I, I did feel like I knew them by the end. Right. So that was good. As yeah, opposed very to some good of the character characters. Building. Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed this one as well. I, uh, I thought the ending was a, a little underwhelming, but not to ruin the story for me. I, yeah. I think that the sense of discomfort that you feel as they begin to realize what's happening and what they're being led into – that comes across powerfully. Um, and I, I think that was well done. Yeah. Yeah. The the tension when the one sister's in the, the driver's seat of the bus while her other sister's behind her right across the aisle from the thing. That was pretty cool. I could see that, again, being a, a strong moment in a movie. Yeah. Or a really good like Black Mirror kind of episode or like mm-hmm. a show like an anthology kind yeah. of horror thing like that. It Absolutely. really well. Mm-hmm. So this one, um, they're already on the bus at this point from the rider, and uh, um, Tannery Dew writes, I don't think he's human, she almost said inexplicably, white. Priscilla's smile returned, their scare forgotten, and he blocked the road like that. I love that tactic. Pretty gutsy, huh? He must be a freedom rider too. Let's let, Let's go up with him. He's not one of us, Pat said. Why'd the driver let him on? Doesn't have a ticket. Priscilla's smile vanished. Together, the sisters stared. The man's clothing looked rough, like burlap stitched together with yarn so stiff it might be vines. Pat had never seen anything like that, but his clothes were only the first thing wrong with this new rider. Looked wrong, smelled wrong. All of him was wrong. The driver, too. He'd barely moved since he stopped, except for his bizarre speech and opening the bus door when he shouldn't have. Sir? Pat called to the driver. You gonna keep driving anytime soon, sir? Pat had learned that she could ask white people pointed questions wreathed with sir and ma'am. The driver's soldier sold shoulders hunched as if she'd interrupted a nap. He reached for the door level lever and pulled it shut with a hiss and whomp as it closed. The bus driver's wide open eyes stared back at Pat in his oversized rearview mirror. You'll see them in a minute, little missy, the driver said with that same unnatural voice. Justice comes in time, like all things. What did he just call you? Priscilla whispered, amused. Now I've heard it all. I'll see who in a minute, sir, Pat called back to the driver. She felt her heart pounding in the pads of her fingers as she clung to the seat in front of her. Yeah, like, I like the writing. Yeah. I thought it built the tension. Cool. Yeah, good Absolutely. dialogue with the sisters. It was good. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Sure. Definitely worth a read. 
All right, you guys want to get to your our individual pieces? Let's do it. Yeah. All right, who wants to volunteer as tribute first? No, I'll go first because I'm I'm okay. excited to talk about mine. Sweet, and I'm gonna grab some <clears throat> while you do so. All right, so the story that I read uh, is from toward the end of the collection. It's called Hide and Seek. The author is uh, P. Jelly Clark. I, I am sure I'm not pronouncing his uh, middle name here correctly. But uh, I um, first of all, I, I read a little bit about this author before I uh, read the short story, and uh, I ended up buying one of his books because he writes about a steampunk – Cairo, Egypt, Damn. uh, with, yeah. uh, with, uh, you know, gins as like major parts of like DJ I N N gins as major part of, of the story. The agenda, yeah. I, uh, I haven't finished reading the book. I'm about halfway through, but I'm enjoying it very much. Um, so, uh, so hide and seek is the story. I'll read the excerpt then I'll, I'll talk about it. So this is right. This is how the story begins. Mama shakes and spasms, her willowy limbs twisting and jerking in a strange dance as her eyes flutter like butterfly wings. Ringlets of dark hair lay slick with sweat across her cheeks so it looks like she's wearing a black veil. And the veins on her neck are swelled up like worms trying to burrow out of her skin. I can see her chest moving up and down fast as a jackrabbit's. Her lips, long done gone blue, and she lies sucking in air like a panting dog. I stand there watching, the rifle on my shoulder growing heavier with each passing moment. Jamie sits cross-legged on the floorboard, staring, his green eyes round as dinner plates. Neither of us says a word, instead following the lines of scarlet creeping across Mama's pale skin. They remind me of the vines that grow up around our house, but thin as threads and burning so bright, you can see them beneath her pretty saffron dress. Somewhere near, maybe another room, we can hear Daddy's whimpering. It'll just get louder, we know, until it's a wail that makes your belly knot up and want to turn inside out. I close my eyes, fearing I might drown under it all. God, I think for maybe the hundredth time, I fucking hate magic. But let me start at the beginning. Guys, this story was... That's great. Yeah, yeah. This story was magnificent. Uh, I was expecting to like it because I'd read part of the guy's book, but I was not expecting to like it this much. This book... Uh, this story was so fucking good. Uh, so it's delivered to you in like non-sequential pieces, right? So everything I'm about to describe, you you do not learn in this order. And some of it you're still learning at the end of the story. But here's... Back to Tarantino. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. And it's it's so it's broken up that way. Uh, but uh, the premise is these two boys, the, the one telling the story I think is 12. The other one is his younger brother. They live in this big, like sort of uh, incoherent house um that has been in their family they they got it from their grandfather um and they live in the house with their mother and uh for part of the story the grandfather's alive the mother had been off doing her own thing she had met the father had the kids and everything they had come back for like the very tail end of the grandfather's uh life now he was some sort of like I don't know, like a magician or something, a sorcerer or something like that, who was both like sort of feared and reviled by the community, but also like respected and they would come to him and like pay him to do things for them mm. and everything. So when he dies, um, the mother and the father uh, start, they, they become addicted to junk is what it's called. But what it is, is it's like when you, the premise is that when you do a magic spell, there's like cast off unused magic. And that when you like 
do something like you batch up that unused magic, it it uh, is basically a drug. It gives you this euphoric feeling, but it is addicting and it has unpredictable consequences like besides the euphoria. So one day the father uh, like literally starts screaming and his whole body starts turning inside out and he starts expanding oh. and he like his whole body like explodes into the house. Right. Oh, so that part you heard in my excerpt about like we hear daddy whimpering like they they say we don't know if he's a ghost or what it is, but like they can huh. hear the father like once in a while, like whimpering in the house. The mother becomes now the mother did not have uh, any magical powers herself. So once the father who did have some magical powers dies and she's addicted to this drug, she has to start sourcing it. Right. So like a drug dealer or a junk dealer, whatever, will come to the house and she has to like scrape together whatever she can to try to get this junk from them. Now, you don't find out till the very end why throughout this entire story they're playing hide and seek, but it's it's great. The very next scene after the one I read starts out, it almost seems like it's going to be this warm scene where the mother is like, you know, okay, I'm going to count to 10. You guys go and hide, right? But you wonder why the kid's carrying a rifle over his shoulder. <laughs> and when she finds him, she throws the door open and she's like, you know, you made a fucking scratching noise. And she's like, what? She's like, put that rifle down unless you're going to be ready to use the thing or something like that. So you're like, what the fuck is going on? It's so confusing, right? And then there's there's other references to like when when you're hiding, never go outside the house. That's the dead zone because it's wide open. You'll get caught for sure. But you don't understand what is being talked about until the very end. The unpredictable consequence for the mother of of junk is the stuff you heard in the excerpt in the beginning. It starts transforming her into this like vicious cannibalistic monster and they have to lock her in a room. So because, uh, you know, she tries to eat her own children, like attack and eat her own children. And so when she takes the drug, they have to lock her in this room. They have to go and hide in places in the house from her. And you hear her like screaming and battering at the door trying to get out to get them it is fucking crazy like it was so good i enjoyed this story so much (laughs) i have to read it again just for fun like it was a really good story i'm glad that it was that good yeah sean um, since you took my book yeah, I guess I'll try to follow that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's only going to be more <laughs> sedate since that. So, you know, come back in five minutes, listener. Well, I picked the Rebecca Roanhorse story, uh, Eye and Tooth. And I don't know why I picked it. Because uh, you wanted a different voice. Yeah, it must be. I think it was, I, I don't know, I think she's part Native American, too. And I thought that was kind of an interesting little background. I was hoping mm-hmm. there would be a little piece of that in the story. And, you know, honestly, it's uh, a fun read. And I'm not going to give too much away, but essentially it's a brother and a sister who are, um, like supernatural, like, you know, you know, the, the show supernatural that was on like CW mm. for a while, the two brothers that would hunt whatever demons. And, uh, so it's kind of like a taste of that in a way. So they have like, they're endowed with abilities and they hunt monsters and it's fascinating. The little situation they find themselves in in this story i feel like this would be a great um like jumping off point to do like a series of stories about this brother and sister pair but i'll give you just a quick taste of it 
Uh, no context at all. I just take it for what it is. Sean. <laughs> Zelda had handled that like the professional she was. Talked the man down. Told him they'd be there by nightfall, just to keep his old lady locked up until she and Atticus could arrive. He paid for first class. But in the end, it hadn't mattered, because the dumb bastard hadn't listened. Instead of waiting for the professionals, he'd try some bullshit internet remedy that said throwing salt at a corpse would keep it down. And every true hunter knows it's grave dirt or nothing. Got his face eaten for the effort. But face eaters aren't the usual in their line of work. Most monsters are run of the mill. Haints that need a blessing down. River spirits that some greedy land developer riled up. Once, a poltergeist that was terrorizing some poor condo board. And while some tick-tocking amateur had led the Temecula golf pro astray, most of the time the internet got it depressingly right. Seems like more and more these days, people rid themselves of the supernatural on their own. Weekend warriors with flamethrowers, AKs, and some basic YouTube skills were making the art of monster hunting passe. I just love that premise. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. very it's, cool. And again, I'm not going to give too much away, but there is, there's dolls in this, and like well, dolls are always creepy, creepy. old ladies. <laughs> and dolls. Man, it is definitely a worthwhile read, and I, it's just one of those things where I read it. I'm like, man, what's their next story? Mm-hmm. So I hope Miss Roanhorse, you got one fan. Nice. Tell me more about these monster hunters. Very cool. I'm yeah. easily swayable when I haven't read something. So, <laughs> um, I had picked the um. Burke story. So mm. if you just give me a sec. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's called An American Fable. And Is that so, the one with the little mouse? Fifle? No, that's All American <laughs> Tale. Oh, okay. Which I love the shit out of that as a kid. <laughs> this is um, Chelsea Burke's. Um, it's a World War One black soldier coming back to America. Hmm. So there's like... There's, I picked like the historical fiction ones that I like the most apparently. But... Obviously runs into the racism of the time still, even though um, he's wearing the uniform and still gets treated like, you know, it's reconstruction time or some shit. Um, And so without giving too much of the premise away, he is on a uh, train and they're all forced to get off at Cincinnati because the the white people need that car, essentially. And Cincinnati is not a fucking place you want to be at. So, um, in the, the Helter Skelter movement of it, he befriends and saves this girl who has special powers. Hmm. So, um, if you forgive me for a second, this is the 10% of the assignment I didn't do. <laughs> so I'm just going to find it real quick. I actually, here we go. I did have it. <clears throat> Let's see. Where am I starting? The girl made him uncomfortable, but it wasn't just the girl. He hadn't felt comfortable since coming back from the war. Being back home felt wrong somehow his discomfort had not only been in the way the united states had thrown black soldiers aside noble and thousands of other black men and women agreed to fight for their country hoping that afterward it would seem that see them as worthy perhaps even stop treating negro as lower class citizens they had proved themselves worthy and formidable soldiers and in france black folks had found freedoms that had never been afforded to them in the united states but coming back home presented horrors that even war could not parallel the man for instance that had broken the beer bottle over norwell's head three weeks before he had been drunk yes but it sent noble to the hospital with a broken tooth and for 13 stitches all because the white man had taken umbrage to the fact that noble had not in fact wanted to dance the jig for him and his buddies 
The United States now was no better to him or his black countrymen than it had been before. In fact, in Noble's opinion, it was far worse. After a brief stop in Charleston, the colored train car was full. There were dozens of black folks crammed in, two family members to a seat, mothers holding children too old to be held. Still, most people acknowledged him being there and nodded their admiration to him, knowing the sacrifice he had made simply to get respect from a country that would never give it. By fighting the Great War, Noble and the other black men and women had begged for love in a world that hated them. So, perhaps, as he thought about it, the gazes and nods he received in this colored car were for sympathy and not respect or admiration. In fact, because of that uniform, he barely respected himself anymore, if it was to be honest about it at all. The train screeched to a slow stop in Cincinnati as the group settled in. Colored folk did not get off the train in places they didn't have to, the in-between cities. If it wasn't your final destination or you didn't have people there, you stayed on the train and hoped to move on soon. There was word of mouth about the places that Negro folk should steer clear of, and Cincinnati was one of those places. Outside, a loud group of white folks were starting up, which was what black people call said when white folks are ready to start trouble. Of course, in Noble's view, white folks were always ready to start trouble. Since he had been home, he had dodged several different fights and at least two gunshots. There was more danger here than there had been for him in the whole war. And that's really the start of the tension for the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess I really love the word payoff. The payoff was okay in terms of how the experience shakes out for Noble and the young girl as they exit since in Cincinnati when they really don't want to, but I'm going to go back and read your pieces because they sounded cooler. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you sounded interesting. Yeah. I mean, the premise is interesting. It felt like the Norwood trouble to me in terms uh, of like, the you. story structure. Okay. That, and that's not to say it's not well written or that um, you know the writer Burke didn't do a good job, but hey. it's kind of like that. Plus, you know, fuck Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. That's a long story. We say from <laughs> Buffalo. To- <laughs> yeah. Although I did donate to his charity when they got us into the place. Oh, no, that was not uh, that was, Joe Burrow. Yeah, that, that was, was uh, oh, no, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Back to yeah. fuck yeah. you, Joe Burrow. <laughs> That's right. Fuck you and your pretty ginger face. Uh, no, he's, s- he's not a he's not. No. That's good. That's Andy Dalton. That's also Andy Dalton. Dalton. That's fine. That's totally fine. How about this? Fuck Kansas City. Yes. And fuck San Francisco. Fuck the Super Bowl. Fuck them both. Fuck Fuck the Super Bowl. Fuck it all. I will will end my uh, little rant about this before we outro um, with when we were watching, because the Bills played Cincinnati this year, right? Once and they beat us. Once. Yeah. So we were watching it and my older son turns to me and says, I can't watch this game, Dad. I'm like, I know it, it's rough to watch. Like, this sucks. And he's like, No. Every time they show the quarterback's face, I like literally can't watch. He's like, not real looking. <laughs> he's like, too chiseled. Too chiseled. Or something. That's okay. funny. And I'm like, Okay, yeah, I see it. He's AI generated, buddy. Just imagine he's. <laughs> he is an NPC. Let's yeah, he's literally an NPC. So. Right. On that note, are we a yay or nay on this one? Say yay for the most part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Ah. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not a character here. Yeah. No. <laughs> Fuck you, Sean. <laughs> sorry, somebody's gonna do it. I, I'm definitely a yay. I, I think like any anthology, I mean, just based on the uh, five stories that I read, you know, there's there's stronger pieces and, and less strong pieces. Yeah, but, uh, um, mm. you know, I, I, I love the premise of the collection and I uh, I really liked uh, at least two of the stories very much and I mm-hmm. was – pretty good with a couple of the stories there was only one i strongly disliked uh so i'm a yay yeah i always try to judge literature based on like if i feel like i am a better person after i've read it like am i enriched in some way whether that be knowledge wise experience wise whatever and if i'm not then fuck it (laughs) and if i am that was a good experience regardless of maybe some lulls in the action things like that and i think after this one i felt largely like i gained something from it so i'd say that's great it's a gainer yeah yeah uh i would say yes as well i mean it introduced me to a bunch of writers that i'm curious about it reinforced my negative view of nk jemison so i like confirmation (laughs) bias there that's always good right and uh thanks to you guys too i've got a couple other stories that i want to go check out that sounded really good so yes all around y'all yes all right so that's all for out there screaming if you didn't like it or this cast guess what we're doing something absolutely totally different you know how all your um, boomer friends are bitching about ChatGPT? Well, we're going to use it for good to, in the next two episodes. We're going to uh, use it to power a story that it's going to generate for us and then read it live. We're going to do it live. <laughs> so stay tuned as we generate a story and as we voice act it out. God, I wish my friggin' nose wasn't so plugged right now. <laughs> Same. Because we always do two or three in one night. <laughs> oh, I know. I was looking forward to my deep voice, which is not happening now. Guys, that neti pot off. Ah, damn it. All right, I'll see y'all on the other side after the neti pot. Until then, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.